0: Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, it's the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick here uh, for the folks in MSP in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll talk yesterday's game with Michael Broadcorp coming up here in the uh, the second hour Patrick, how are you today? Did you have a good weekend, my friend?
1: I did have a good weekend. of course give a shout out to those in Chicago. Your guys won two yesterday.
0: Yes, that was actually very impressive, very impressive indeed. Um, did you did you do anything anything holiday related at all getting out there and doing any of that stuff this weekend?
1: Uh, not really yet. I've kind of, uh, thought of, that'll probably be next weekend and the, that, that's kind of, uh, I won't talk about it on there, but I've got Ooh. some, uh, pretty big things coming up that there will be some holiday cheer in my future. It's just kind of, you know, there's no snow on the ground. It's, it's just a little, well, mm. it doesn't feel like, cause I went outside a couple days ago, kind of, I'm like, this feels like spring, you know, <laughs> when you kind of get that humid, you know that humid smell in the air of of, of heavy wa- of heavy water. And well, just- we
0: we're in the Upper Midwest. We we want we want weather that is you know winteresque. You know it's it's kind of one of the the, the appeals of, of the, the appeals of of this uh, kind of weather system. We we'd like to have that. And right now, because it's it's looking like at least here in the Twin Cities, we're not going to have any snow. Um. Anytime soon, <laughs> it doesn't look like. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit interesting. Uh, yeah, and once again, thank you very much to all the conservatives out there screaming. It's like, what's the big difference? What's the big deal? You're not going to have your snow. It's a nice day. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, without a doubt in my mind, it's it's kind of one of those things where you, you get uh, uh, the people who are, uh, you know, the, you know, insisting there is no such thing as climate change who all of a sudden instantly, 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 the minute it's not a white christmas like why isn't it a white christmas why isn't it oh i want a white christmas now uh you know you can't have you can't have it both ways you got to you got to pick and choose because this is the world that you guys have created 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 is the phone number um i i want to start off today with I, I i was at the post office and and first of all <laughs> The post office. Okay. I understand that any individual trip to a post office is an individual experience in itself at that time. But I have been doing this enough to where I can identify DeJoy is really screwing up the post office. Now, I ran into a friend of mine named John who was at the post office uh, when I was there today. Now, I, I've kind of got. Th- th- ever since Trump started messing around with the Postal Service, I anticipated, and I'm not joking, an hour and a half at the post office. I anticipated it. It was one hour and 35 minutes. But I, th- th- there is. It never used to be that bad prior to Trump and DeJoy screwing up the Postal Service. It did not. Don't get me wrong. We used to have busy days, but it. This is not a criticism of the people who were working because they were working their cabooses off. You had it's it's a suburban postal service. You had two of five windows open. One of the windows, the woman couldn't, you know, because she has a lifting restriction, couldn't lift anything more than four pounds. And you're wondering why there's a line out the door of the post office outside of the building down the hall down the stairs outside of the building forty deep you're wondering why that never used to be that bad it used to, you used to get some lines but it moved fairly quickly because you had more people there every person i talk to they say the same thing you go to in the, post, the postal service it is it just seems as if you go in there and there are just you know fewer people working the counter now, we've talked – we talked actually last week about the fact that in some postal uh, – post offices, the uh, DeJoy has basically made it to where the postal service employees have to deliver private companies' packages prior to delivering the mail. And in some areas – I read another story. Apparently, there are some areas where it's – the mail is getting delayed three, four days. People won't get mail for two or three days, and all of a sudden, they'll get you know 50 pieces of mail in one day. The I, I have to send my the godparents of my children are Irish. Uh, I said when, when when we had the kids, I said I wanted godparents that, that understood the role. And uh, I didn't know enough Italians. So it went with the Irish. And uh, I've got some lovely Irish friends over in Ireland and I send packages to them every year. They are very, very dear to me. When it used to be, if you wanted to send an international package, and once again, this is all today, but this has been how it's been since Trump took over, and they've just never been able to, to fix it. And people people ask, can't Biden get rid of DeJoy? It's not that simple. The postmaster general is actually a very tough, tough job to to you know, vacate, and I think you actually have to have a substantial vote of the, co- the, the Congress to get him out, and the Republicans won't go along with it. Used to be if you wanted to mail something overseas, you got there, you filled out a p- one piece of paperwork, or w- there was one of two pieces of paperwork you could, it was smaller packages, bigger packages. You filled it out, got entered in the system, took maybe three, four minutes to do the pro- transaction per item, and done. Today, it ta- it is such an obscenely slow, laborious process. To bring up – first of all, you have to fill out the form. You fill out the form. And then after you fill out the form, the the postal worker has to fill out the form on their computer, which basically means them typing in, in many cases, foreign names for streets and, you know, non <laughs> – a little more difficult names of people and stuff like that. So it takes forever to enter it in, and it's a process on that level. That was never the case before Trump and DeJoy. That was never the case. And it is now. And it just – it's it clearly is. The Postal Service has been so mismanaged by DeJoy. I mean, at this point, they should be pulling him out of the office by his short hairs. Now, that being said, let me give you the most consummate example, consummate example of how the Postal Service is so mismanaged it's not even funny. Today is December 11th, 11th. To my knowledge, we have basically two weeks before Christmas. I was talking to my friend, as mentioned. I talked to my friend John there. It was the fourth post office he had gone to. They were all sold out of Christmas stamps. How the hell are you guys sold out of Christmas stamps? It's not even Christmas yet. And in the past, what had happened is you, they, they I, okay, this is a new thing. I have gone to the post office the next year and seen the previous year's stamps In the post office, you can buy the new variety or they just get the old one. They're all forever stamps. It doesn't matter. Just you scan them in and you're done. How in the hell did DeJoy screw up the the one of the few things that they managed to get right all the time? Well, we got there was there was at there. I will say this. One of the clerks had like 12 books of the religious Christmas stamps, which is I think was Jesus and Mary and you could have you could have had an auction in that place the people that were desperate to get any kind of holiday stamp for their christmas cards it really was embarrassing so you know you know it's it's clear someone they need to drag dejoy out of the postal service and into congress and have him explain how the hell is he mismanaging this thing so badly and i'm sure i mean well i can tell you he's doing it intentionally like i said it's clear the first goal they had was to shut down the postal service but when they realized we need to have mail service going out to rural parts of the country and on top of that the the private companies were not going to do that they weren't going to send a truck you know 40 miles in one direction for 3 houses so they, they, that you had to have the postal service that seems like their whole thing now is cut 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 staff cut costs make 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 the process more complicated for the postal service so that cuz i mean they used to have that you know if it sh- if it fits it ships that was huge and now it seems like that is it's kind of they've created a, more, a far more complicated system but then again it's like you don't have stamps i mean the whole thing seems to be about turning the united states postal service into cheap labor for the private companies and someone needs to drag that guy out. But needless to say, secondary thing. I got into a discussion with my friend of mine who I think is more of a republic. He says he's independent but I, he definitely seems to be much more on the republican side. And he talked to me about you know, – we're talking about politics and he gets into politics and he's like, you know, you know, anything is going to happen because he knows what I do for a living and i you know I, I you know i think you know biden will win i think trump is and you know he starts going in about biden and in basically kind of oh you know biden's just trying to hand this country over to 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 these immigrants which you know okay tell me you're not you tell me you're watching fox news without saying i'm watching fox news i mean there you go he, he insists this. He insists that in the state of Minnesota, Walls passed a bill which basically allows for sick time so that if you have a sick family member, you can take paid leave and go and help take care of a family member. And he was all upset about this. Cousins? Cousins? You're going to get upset about cousins? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if your cousin is the primary caregiver of someone, I think it's a good idea. And so he's saying these things, and once again, it's it's this attack, kind of all this, this, this kind of negativity towards democratic principles that anything that Democrats pass is socialism, it's communism, it's one of these things. And I stopped him and I said, have you heard what Donald Trump is saying right now? Have you heard what's coming out of his own mouth? Talking about embracing fascism, becoming a dictator, becoming, you know – putting military on the street corners in the United States to to <coughs> to, to, to dominate the, the citizens of this country, rounding people up like myself and throwing them in jail just because we dare to put forward a differing opinion than that orge-bloviated jackass. Have you heard what he's saying? And he said something, which I'm going to come back after the break and talk more about this. He said, you know, Lord knows we don't have a lot of decency left in this country. Which was his way, and I noticed it was kind of his way of walking away from the conversation we were having by implying, wow, both sides are just, you know, ingratiated. It's really a shame. And I want to come back after the break and talk a little bit about really, I mean, if you're upset about decency, boy, have I got some history to talk to you about. 952 946 6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show for a Monday.
1: It's the Matt McNeil
0: Show on your Monday. Good to have you with you after a weekend, uh, 952-946-6205. Let's get back to decency for a second, okay? I hear hear a lot of people, particularly, and most of the people, I want to make sure we understand exactly who is the people saying, boy, what happened to decency in this country? Whatever happened to, both sides are just at each other. Do you know who's driving that, that argument, that narrative? Moderate Republicans. And it's the reason why is because it's really hard for them to have reality pushed into their face. The next time anyone who's listening to me right now, the next time anyone comes at you and says, whatever happened to decency? Boy, are, are both, both sides are just going to be going at each other's throats. Whatever happened to decent America? When they say that to you, I want you to look at them and say, Really? where were you in 2008? And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, what do you mean? Well, I remember, now, you know, a little history lesson for you. In 2004, to beat John Kerry, uh, one of the things that the Bush-Cheney ticket did was embrace the swift voting of John Kerry, and there was nothing more dishonest or disgusting than Dick Cheney the day after the election talking about, I don't know where in the world these people come out and question John Kerry's military experience it was because of you. I mean, you guys did it, and you recruited these guys. Many of them never served at all a day with John Kerry but were just convinced by the Republicans to forsake their military honor and embrace a political point of view. And the day after the election, let me tell you something: the Swift Boat guys got run out of most American legions and veterans groups. You don't go and do that. You do not go on out there and turn against decorated war, you know, heroes. And those guys got ran out, and they're all they were looking for. Where are my buddies? Where are the people backing me up? And they, they didn't back you up. They were they used you. They used you as a ploy. And so that kind of was, you know, backfired on. So the Republicans then decided, okay, forget about actual people. Let's just start putting out things that the psychopaths want to hear. And in 2008, in the election of 2008, and then during the entire Obama administration – where was all the are people screaming about decency and you know boy are, are are these attacks really getting personal when people sat up and screamed obama's a secret muslim where's his birth certificate like these like these freaking idiots ran around with their birth certificate in a ziploc bag all the time saying i've got mine where's his you see, is they didn't have a problem with this back then. This is why I say this is mostly moderate Republicans. They didn't have a problem with it back then. They didn't have a problem with it when it came to the 2016 election. They didn't have a problem with it when, when Republican loon bins were out there insisting that there's, there are pizza places in Maryland where Democrats secretly meet and drink the babies, blood of the babies in the basement. And it wasn't until some guy went to that pizza place and started shooting the place up, demanding to be seen in the basement. And they informed him, there is no basement to this building, sir. Oh, that all of a sudden, all these same people's like, well, I just, I, someone said it. I didn't say it was true. None of you to All those times, all those insults, all those deme- mean-spirited things, all those things, not once. Not once did you guys sit up there and say, hey, guys, come on, let's not make this personal. Not one time Donald Trump wins. A lot of you guys were showing me my liberal tears mug (laughs) in your face. And it was finally in 2018 when even you guys had to start admitting, God, Trump's horrible. And the Democrats had finally had enough and finally found their spines and started punching back and punching back hard that then suddenly, suddenly decency had to return to America. Oh my God, where is the decency we used to have? I don't know. You guys jumped off that train decades ago. Decades ago. And what you're seeing right now is a direct response of the fact that the Republicans, particularly the moderate Republicans, did not have the guts to look at their own party over the last three decades and say, guys, tone it down. This is not where we need to go. And finally, after basically you know, trying to, 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 to punch the Democrats every time you saw them, the Democrats started swinging back. And they swung back well. Partly because, partly because you, you put it on a planner when you overturned Roe v. Wade. You mean, oh, gosh, why were the, can the Republicans ever get away with it? No, you can't. For God's sakes, I got a story coming up here in a little bit about the fact that in Texas, they're still where, you you know, battle, making battles down there. No, this is, this is about your lack of being concerned. And by the way, let me also talk about when they, when they say both sides are at it. I'll say Republicans are kind of fascist. Well, wow, Matt, what? what's with the name-calling, Matt? Name-calling? No, he's saying I'm going to embrace fascism. Matt, stop with the name-calling, Matt. No, I'm just repeating what Trump has said. He's going to be a fascist. He's already said I'm going to be fascist. And I'm going to embrace fascism. Matt, I don't know where this, this potty mouth is coming from, but come on, Matt. We're better than that. And at the same time, they're giggling behind their voice when they sit there and they say, oh, 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 Joe Biden's too old and, you know, he needs to and Let's go, Brandon. Oh, like these things. They'll, they'll say this and you'll point out, it's like, wait a second, that's just a – that, that, that's, that's far worse than anything I'm saying. I'm just repeating what Trump is saying. I'm repeating what the Trump camp is saying. That's all I'm repeating. I'm just saying they're embracing fascism not because I'm making that up but because that's the reality. You're making up stuff. And you'll point, they'll look at you and say, well, I'm just sharing a political point of view. And if you don't like it, no, you're not sharing a political point of view. You're making stuff up. You're being mean spirited. You're being, you're being divisive. You're, you're being the, you're being the jerks. You're being the divided ones. And what it is, is this, is they don't want you to point out the reality. And the reality is the Republicans have embraced fascism. This is what they are. They, 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 they don't have spines, they don't have guts, and they don't want to be reminded of it. So they just want to go back to a world where it was, you know, 2008, where the Democrats weren't really good at responding to this vilification, constant vilification of the left by the right. And they, they thought those were decent times. Those those were innocent times. Can't we go back to those? No, you guys were jerks back then. You need to go back to really pre-New Gingrich and start reining this stuff in. But you see, you don't want to. You love it. You love vilifying the right or the left. You love doing it. And what you don't like us doing is pointing out, boy, you stopped abortion. Come on. What's with the divisiveness, Matt? Uh, you did stop abortion. Stop, Matt. Come on. You're drawing lines, Matt. No, you guys stopped abortion. You guys were proud. I can't believe you just, you keep bringing that up. No, I'm just saying truths. This whole thing about we're such a divided country, the reality is, is this, is that the Democrats' punches back are based in reality and they don't have a defense for it. So they'd rather just sort of say, I'm not going to talk about politics now. But the cowards sure didn't have any guts to basically stop this back in 2008 when it started and went off the freaking rails. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. it's the Matt McNeil Show. Did you know there are easy ways to support
1: your child's brain development during their critical early years from age...
0: It is the Matt McNeil Show broadcasting on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota and WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. I'm Matt. Hey, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. By the way, uh, you're more than welcome to watch the show if you just go to um the our, the, the flagship station up here in MSP, uh AM nine fifty radios on Facebook, on Twitter, on the YouTube page. It's all there in all its glory. <laughs> <laughs> it's radio for your eyes. Enjoy it uh, via all the social media sites out there. 952 946 6205. By the way, can I also bring up the thing about, you know, with the whole thing about decency and how it's, it's you know, it's really not both sides are so divided. It's just the, the, the moderate Republicans are really upset about basically being reminded of what they've embraced and they've embraced for decades. And when, you know, Trump says, oh, I'm a fascist, and he says, well, you guys are embracing fascism, and they say, whoa, where are you getting – your politics are way out there. Stop being so divisive. I'm not being divisive. I'm just repeating what Trump is saying. They're just so terrified. They're so terrified of addressing the problems within their own party that their natural – well, there's no point in talking about it because we're so divisive. No. Clean up your own damn house. How about you do that? Stop pointing to the other side and saying, boy, why are you guys so angry? No. Clean up your own damn house. And it goes to, by the way, this whole thing with woke. There was a story. I posted this. Holy God. There is a historic site in Texas where it's it basically, it's a historic site that deals with slavery in Texas. And Um, it's so obviously a serious topic. And in their gift shop, there were some books about slavery, not fan fiction, the actual story, the actual history of slavery. One guy got upset because the slavery museum in Texas had books about slavery in the gift shop. And so the cowards in the historical society in Texas, and I'll call them out first, they pulled all the books out of there because they didn't want to offend anyone, but I want to make sure we point this out. When these guys scream everything's woke, it's not that anything's bad because being awake and understanding the problems is a good thing, right? Understanding the history and understanding what actually happened is important. What they're using it is, woke is a term that allows them to basically try to change reality. It's not a surprise that most of this is coming about now. When the kids, remember all those pictures from the 50s Of the racist white kids pouring stuff on black people and Jewish people uh, that were protesting the, the soda counter rules and trying to stop black kids from getting into schools and stuff like that. Remember all those photos of a bunch of white people sitting there doing it? Well, this is them in their old age or their kids who don't like the uncomfortable truth that Papa was a big old racist. So they have to try to find a way to rewrite the history because if if the history stands as it was, which it should, it's history. It it it's what happened. Well, then my daddy was a big old racist. So it it, it wasn't about racism. It was just about uh, uh, making sure there was enough parking in the school parking lot. You know? Okay, sure. <laughs> but this is where they're at they've got to change reality because frankly they are on the wrong side of history and so this is this allows them to do it and it allows them to do it with shocking amount of ease which is really somewhat disappointing if you if you think about it 9529466205 9529466205 speaking of texas let's uh <sighs> Uh, a, a continuation of the story we we talked about last week, a Texas woman at the center of the legal battle over terminating her high-risk pregnancy has left the state to get an abortion, her attorney says in a statement. Now, a reminder, this is a woman who very likely – well, it's very likely if she took this child to term that she would have lost the ability to have kids in the future. There's also a decent chance she could die. But a bunch of white Republican men who do not have medical degrees basically said not good enough. And when even the court said, no, you need to let this woman get a life-saving medical procedure, they basically – a bunch of white Republicans, on uh, men on the Supreme Court. And by the way, you should see some of the comments they have made over the years, clearly incredibly biased. They basically they went out there and threatened any hospital saying, "Okay, she might have the right to get it, but if you do the performer perform the operation we're going to sue you Well, I think outside of uh, to prevent someone from getting sued they basically, she basically has left, this, left the state. Kate Cox sought an abortion after learning her fetus was a fatal condition, then doctors told her she' uh, risk your- fe- future fertility or, or her own life she doesn't get the procedure." The Center for Reproductive Rights, which represents Cox, announced on Monday the 31-year-old mother, who's 21 weeks pregnant, decided to leave the state with her health care elsewhere, where the center is not disclosing more details about her plans. Their statement said she has received offers for help for access uh, abortion everywhere from Kansas to Colorado to Canada. The past week of legal limbo has been hellish for Kate, said Nancy Northrup, the president of the CEO of the Center for Reproductive Rights. In a statement, our health is on the line. She has been in and out of the emergency room. She couldn't wait any longer. This is why judges and politicians should not be making health care decisions for pregnant people. They are not doctors. Reminder, same exact people that when the COVID stuff started and we had the vaccines, which they initially first praised because Trump, Uh, basically, they, you know, they, they basically, after the fact, uh, said, Oh, they're evil. Don't, don't, don't let anyone get between you and your doctor. You know, they can't, they, they can't pry that connection between you and your doctor open fast enough, can they? They're a bunch of hypocrites that are only going to, they only care about your rights as long as it matches their political ideology. Ta-da! That's a Republican. On Thursday, a state district court judge sided with Cox, granted a temporary restraining order against the state so she could legally have an abortion under the state's medical emergency exceptions. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, jackass, quickly threatened criminal prosecution against doctors or hospitals who helped to facilitate the abortion, saying they could still face charges after the 14-day temporary restraining order expires. Paxton also asked the Texas Supreme Court to intervene and vacate the Lower court's ruling. According to Cox, it had not established she had life-threatening conditions or that her symptoms pose a risk to her future fertility. Outside of all the doctors saying it. <laughs> Late Friday night, the high court temporarily blocked Cox from obtaining the abortion while reviews the details of the case. Has not issued a decision since then. My guess is going to be is they're they're going to quickly run away and not try to deal with this because, yeah. By the way, can I say this? And just I know this is uh, you know I hope he, he they, I hope she comes to Minnesota, and Paxton that weasel tries to go to Governor Tim Walls up here and demand that he hand over the information about the doctors and the hospitals where it happened because on behalf we, we, you know we'll change the state flag to say f you Paxton <laughs> you keep your you keep your slimy greasy nose in your own damn disturbed, dirty business down there in Texas. Get out of our state. I would love to have Illinois get in, get on board with that. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to just basically look at him and say, oh the heck with you. Ugh But this is this is this is what Republicans... they don't want to be reminded of this, Matt. Don't don't keep reminding us we're against abortion, even though that we have Republicans in Texas basically screaming, we're still against abortion. Come on, Matt. Whatever happened to decency? But let's talk about Hillary Clinton drinking babies blood. <laughs> that's just a political point of view. Like I said, this whole argument of decency, this is just about moderate Republicans just basically realizing they're on the wrong side of popularity at this point. And they got into bed with the, they got into bed with the devil. They got into bed with the devil. Absolutely. nine five two nine four six six two oh five. Speaking of getting into bed with the devil, Clarence Thomas. Uh, yeah. (laughs) This guy's a piece of work. The Supreme Court on Monday let stand a Washington state law prohibiting licensed healthcare professionals from practicing conversion therapy, a scientifically discredited practice intended to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity as it applies to minors. Now, mind you, once again, once again, I want to point out the hypocrisy of the Republican Party here today. When it comes to dra- transgender rights, now, first of all, they, they basically lie. They, they make it seem like six-year-olds are being strapped down with, with, with you know, no you know, painkillers or not being knocked out and having highly aggressive you know, you know, surgeries, which is which, which not happening. That's just not happening. They make this up. And they talk about how dare people try subject children to procedures that they are not ready for. Now, if you understand transgender uh transitioning, it's it's far more complicated than that. Most organizations, I think pretty much all of them, the, the standard practice is to wait till they're older. They go through there, there's lots of psychological counseling. There's it's it's not nearly as, you know, just you know as as intentionally brutal as the Republicans make it sound. It's not. It's not anything like it. But still, they use their lies to then basically say, how dare adults get involved with children? We need to protect the children. And here is a case where Republicans, they don't have any problem when taking a kid and locking them in a room and subjecting them to torture because you are showing signs you were gay. We've got to stop this. And we're not letting you out of this room until you agree with us. And don't make us start hitting you. Now, that's not all by any means. Conversion therapy. But there have been conversion therapy. People that have gone down that road, locking people in rooms, physically assaulting people. So, you know, but hey, but when that when minors that's happening to minors. Well, that's just that's just quality Jesus. That's Jesus. That's come on. That's quality, Matt. Hypocrisy knows no ends when it comes to Republicans. Critics of the practice of conversion therapy, which attempts to convert people who identify as lesbian, gay, tra- transgender, bisexual, queer, or questioning into uh, straight or cisgender uh, people. Uh, causes serious h- emotional harm and can have deadly results. The practices range from psychotherapy to medical and faith-based methods that include talk therapy, hormone, steroid treatment, or faith-based consultation. The vote to basically stay the heck away from this case, because let's face it, I mean, I think Barrett and Gorsuch and and, and Roberts have realized, yeah, we the, just the overturning of Roe v. Wade itself is basically been a, a a terminal infection that they have just planted into the Republican Party. So they're not looking to get more people riled up. The vote was 6-3. Kavanaugh, Alito, and Thomas all publicly said they would have taken up the case. Thomas was furious, apparently. He wrote in a five-page dissent that he would have taken up the case to consider First Amendment challenge to the law. So wait a second here. Forcing someone to be someone else that they're not is a First Amendment issue? That you have the right to, you know, strap someone down to a bed or lock them in a room and subject the, subject them to, to, you know, forced counseling? That's First Amendment that you're saying. Wow. Isn't it funny, isn't it funny that the same exact people that when they overturned Roe v. Wade and insisted... Oh, that states' rights are what's tantamount here. The second the states do something they don't like, well, wait a second here. This is the federal government's got to step in on this one. Ah, I see. It doesn't have anything to do with states' rights. It has everything to do with the fact that, you know, this is a, uh, this is, a, yeah, this is just uh, moving the goalpost whenever it's convenient in your game. Under the state law, Thomas wrote, licensed counselors cannot voice anything other than their state-approved opinion on minors with gender dysphoria or facing punishment. Well, in the same sense, as you can't go into a hospital as a doctor and insist meth cures cancer because it doesn't, jackass. Oh, gosh. I'm getting – yeah, I'm, it is not – my, my mail inbox was full of these people today, and I've got no tolerance for it, man. I've got no tolerance for it. Uh, you, you, by the way, you can't do that. No, doctors do not say, you know what takes care of your cancer? Meth. No, no one's saying that. You can't do that because there is no scientific base that meth cures cancer. Now, imagine someone had a say, well, I'm in Washington State here, and I want to go out and tell people about the, the great life-saving benefits of meth when it comes to cancer. Come on. They're not letting me do this. Do you think Thomas will be saying, "Wait a second here. He has a first amendment right to let this be known." It tells you everything right there. More on this when I come back. It's the Matt McNeil show on a Monday. The Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. Good to be with you. 952-946-6205. Going back to you know Clarence Thomas's pity party. You know he's going to need another RV. Can someone get him another RV? Can I mean he needs he needs a really he's so upset. He needs another night one of those real nice ones. You know. Oh, she does ask his buddy Harlan. No, oh, Harlan. Oh, it. You know, get him. Can we get him another? You know all expenses paid trip to to Mazatlán or something like that i mean just to brighten up his son his day is, is there a court case he won't basically disregard for 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 a, a free trip someplace or an rv i don't know i don't know hey clarence you deserve all this you brought this on yourself and your wife's a traitor and your wife's a traitor to america she should be in jail uh, going back to Clarence's babblings, although the court declines to take this particular case, I have no doubt the issue it presents will come before the court again. He wrote, when it does, the court should do what it should have done here. Grant uh, a, 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 basically a seritori uh, to consider what the First Amendment requires. Well, once again, the First Amendment doesn't mean you can walk into a hospital and say meth cures cancer because it doesn't. In the same sense is that you can't go on and say conversion therapy works because it doesn't. Um, For his part, Alito said in a brief dissent that the court should have taken up the case to address the issue that lower courts have been divided on. Hey, I'm. I you know you, you got to deliver when they're where they're taking you on these five star vacations. You got to deliver when it comes to court rulings. If the rest of the court's not going to let it take it up, I mean that's not a good investment. Come on, man. Sammy Alito needs to get to to, to uh, Casablanca, man. Some gambling. Maybe go to Monaco or something like that. I mean, those are nice trips, man. Alito, same thing. You deserve every bit of grief you you have gotten for yourself. You absolute hag. Uh In recent years, 20 states in the District of Columbia have adopted laws prohibiting or redistricting the practices of conversion therapy. Alito wrote, it's beyond dispute that these laws restrict speech and all restriction on speech is merit, merit, careful scrutiny. Uh You notice how they're trying to turn this in. The, d- tell me you've already made up your decision or you've already been paid to make up your decision on these issues without saying so. Look, they're already saying it's a First Amendment issue. And by the way, once again, aren't you the same Supreme Court that basically, when it came to to abortion, said that's a states' rights issue? Now all of a sudden, these states are doing it. Like, Wait a second, here—that's not states' rights. <laughs> I'm so, hey, I'm without a doubt in my mind. I think Alito and Thomas would rule that everyone has to everyone has to go through conversion therapy to make sure you're super duper straight. Uh, Under the law, a licensed therapist can discuss conversion therapy with minors or recommended by the performer to be others such as religious counselors, but a licensed therapist cannot perform it. The challenge is brought to you by Brian Tingley, a practicing Christian who is also a licensed marriage and family counselor who helps clients with issues including sexuality and gender equality. He objects to the law arguing that it violates his freedom of speech and infringes upon his religious faith. No, it basically miss basically you can you can 't go scream meth cures cancer, dude you just can 't do it that way lower courts dismissed the claim holding the state can regulate professional conduct even if it incidentally involves speech. The court said the law at issue regulates the therapist 's conduct, not their speech, and six of the Supreme Court justices agreed. I should mention as well speaking in the Supreme Court, and it 'll be interesting i can't i, I can 't wait to to read thomas's and alito 's Ruling on this, but special counsel Jack Smith on Monday asked the Supreme Court to consider the rule quickly on whether presidential immunity protects former Trump President Trump from prosecution in the federal twenty twenty election interference case. Now let me make sure we understand what R V and Five Star. <laughs> I think, by the way, those are what we should refer to, Thomas and Alito from now on. RV and five star. Anyway, R V and Five Star, I can tell you what their ruling on this is going to be. They're going to try to pull a Bush v. Gore, try a ruling, where in Bush v. Gore, they took a ruling that didn't apply to the election, completely reversed the ruling that they made, applied it, and then said, we'll never revisit this again. Because what they want to do is say, President Trump has immunity, but they can't really do that without basically saying, every president then has immunity. And they understand they want to be able to hound and go after Democrats. I'll be blunt: if Democrats or Republicans break the law while in the White House, yeah, they should be gone after. They don't. They don't want to stop that. They just don't want Trump to be able to face his consequences. So they've got to do some, you know, judicial ju to to basically figure out some way to get Trump off the hook while not setting a precedent that every president is, is on the hook, off the hook as well. If the Supreme Court takes up the case, it would be the first time that the high court weighs on the part of illegal proceedings involving a former president and GOP presidential frontrunner. This case presents fundamental questions at the heart of the democracy, whether a former president is absolutely immune from federal prosecution for cases committed while in office. So basically it's it, – and, you know, and Jack Smith put this in there. And he did a very good job of this because what he's done is he said, you are basically going to say that a, they, a president could murder somebody in front of the White House and that they shouldn't face any prosecution. So, no, you got this is pretty clear that you know, you can't, you, we hold everyone to the same set of laws. The case presents a fundamental question at the heart of our democracy, whether a former president is absolutely immune from federal prosecution for crimes committed while in office. Smith added that it's in imp- imperative public importance to the court to rule on Trump's claims of immunity that the pre- respondent's trial proceed as promptly as possible if his claim of immunity is rejected. Trump's legal team last week requested a stay in all court proceedings in the 2020 election case, which is currently scheduled to go to trial on March 4th. Trump's lawyers argue that he has presidential immunity from the charges. The former president requests to stay came after U.S. District uh, Judge Tanya uh, Chutkin, who is overseeing the case, rejected Trump's argument that he has immunity from the incident. Prosecutors in their filing cite the 1974 U.S. versus Nixon case when the Supreme Court ruled that former President Nixon was required to turn over tape recordings during the White, 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 Watergate scandal that he was not protected by executive privilege. So, and like I said, their whole argument is that that, you know, RV and Five Star are going to try to find some way to say... Well, when the moon is shining full and a, a, a crow cries three times, well, and that's what happened Trump Trump's innocent, so you can't prosecute him. But everyone else, yes. The mockery of our legal system continues courtesy of the GOP. Chicago by Minneapolis St. Paul, hour 2 up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday. Good to be with you. BroadCorp joining us here in a little bit. We'll have to ask him a little bit about um, Han basically surviving. Well, I don't think there was really survival. I mean, I think it was just a bunch of you know howler monkeys trying to to, to flex. But you know, we'll talk to him about that. And then the the Minnesota reformer story about their finances. But I, I mean, I'll say this: I'll back up one thing I said last week. If the Republicans have any chance of getting out of this mess, you need Han in there if if you really do and i'm not here to to give advice necessarily to the republicans but i cuz i would love to see someone some really far right like just like michigan in michigan the republican party over there is now run by this mega idiot and you know i would love to see that here and they're basically you know the the republican party in michigan is imploding and so, yeah, that's you know, well, maybe I'll talk a little bit to Broadcorp about that, and, and then that game. Let's, Patrick. I'm going to give you a quick chance here. <laughs> now, I, 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 I made a joke that I did not catch the game at all. That I said, "Oh, 3-0, the Wild beat the Golden Knights." Oh no! What? Oh my God! It was what? Um, it was the first time since what was
1: it eighty something that the Vikings won a game three zero. I think. Nineteen seventy-one might have 70? been. I'm oh. not totally sure on the date because they they did a little. Um, they during the game they mentioned that the Raiders had never been in a scoreless game like that, but they said the Vikings was back in seventy-one. It was the game they hosted the Packers and they won that game three to nothing as well. <laughs> So
0: it's very old school football, man. It's, it's, it's an old school, that's a 1940s football score. Three zero is, you know, basically when, before they did the forward pass with any kind of consistency, it was, you know, just basically running at the line and kind of a, a, a kind of a, a Americanized version of rugby. But, you know, yeah, that was, there, there were
1: people in the stands that paid for tickets to that. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was, People made a party weekend out of that, and they hyped up all we week- that they expected there was going to be half Vikings fans in the building it that weekend. It was like
0: two-thirds Vikings fans. They were doing – did you hear the guys on the broadcast say, they're doing the skull chant here? Really? Wait a second. All you fans that showed up, I know you're spending a lot of money to go down there.
1: That game, you did the skull chant. Okay. Now, I, I don't want to get too deep into this. I just want to ask you – I don't know what your perception on this is, but – you know, obviously, Vegas is a world famous tourist destination, but it seems to me like we, as you know, from from Minneapolis, St. Paul in particular, have some sort of symbiotic relationship with Vegas. Thing. Well,
0: I do actually. It's 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 a lot of places do they 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 do very good marketing down in Vegas. Does a very good job of commit convincing people that it's a it's a respite area. It's a it's it's a it's a vacation place. It's a safe place. It's not a safe place. <laughs> It's got some problems. Um, it's manu- – I mean and I said this about Vegas and I, I have yet to have anyone prove me wrong. It's manufactured entertainment for people with regret and that's Las Vegas. That is that is 1,000 percent Las Vegas. You know, it's you – know, there's always time for another bad decision in Las Vegas. And sure, they have created this glitzy side of it where if you have have – you know six figures to spend on a weekend you can have a great time down there eating at five star restaurants seeing the best shows front row seats staying in really nice hotels having a great experience being part of special parties and special areas of hotels where the public is not allowed to go in no you there are some there are so if you got money you can do it but the vast majority of people don't have money i've always been amazed by how i grew up with this whole thing of we don't want to put a team in Vegas, we don't want sports teams out there. The 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 threat of sports gambling per entering into the game itself is too dangerous. We don't want to be there. And today, it's not only is Vegas their number one. We got to get every every sports got to get a team in Vegas, but every broadcast is now half the sponsors are sports betting apps. And even the sports news half their news is let's talk about the spread on these games. What do you think is going to be what do you what is I was watched one it was like, it was it really was just a sports book. It was what's the over under on three hundred yards for this quarterback? What's the over under on a hundred yards for this running back? And I'm like, you know okay really i mean it's it's now you know you were wondering why you've got players and coaches or are I starting to have Gambling problems. you just need to go look in the mirror because you guys have embraced this stuff, and I think it's what's what is going to wake people up. Well, it's, nothing's going to wake them up at this point. It's just too much money. But eventually, just prepare yourself for the Super Bowl champion who, by the way, lost the game when oh, you find out that the guy was 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 working with a, a sports book to basically place a lot of bets against his own team. I'm I'm going to guarantee something like that's going to happen. 952-946-6205. More on that later on. but Okay. Jason Aldean needs to get on the case here. Two Eveleth men were arrested Friday in connection to a report of days-long kidnapping and sexual assault late last month. A woman was sexually assaulted and beaten November 27th at a residence in Eveleth about an hour north of Duluth. The man on the same residence was kidnapped the same day taken to another home in the city where he is beaten for an extended period, said the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension in a news release. The victims are in stable condition, both escaped and fled the city, reporting the incident on December 1st. A 29-year-old man and a 37-year-old man were both arrested on potential felony charges of kidnapping and first-degree criminal sexual conduct, according to the St. Louis County Roster. Um, the 37 year old has been convicted of gross misdemeanors related to domestic assault and child endangerment among several lower level crimes. The 29 year old has been convicted of several alcohol related driving offenses while they're graduating now. Wait a second here. I thought you guys on the right said, try that in a small town. Sweet Lord. Apparently, uh, not only did they try that, they succeeded and only by the grace of God did these two people escape. And there might be some justice there. What happened to all you guys in the small town that was going to stop stuff like this? Oh, that's right. That's just a made-up thing to basically make yourself feel falsely superior to big city people. <laughs> and we laugh and laugh and laugh at your 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 own image crumbling before your eyes, don't we? Yes. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Let's bring in the good story. Um, from earlier today. Marvin Haynes, 36-year-old North Minneapolis man imprisoned at Stillwater Prison since he was a teenager, should never have been convicted of murder that took place in a flower shop nearly 20 years ago, a Hennepin County judge said on Monday. Haynes' conviction has now been vacated. Judge William Kolk signed the agreement between Haynes and Hennepin County Attorney's Office, which charged him with the murder of 55-year-old shop clerk Randy Shearer, saying the flawed investigation violated Haynes' rights. Now, by, by the way, you're saying to yourself, "Well, so he was guilty, they just let him you know, let him go because of procedural. No, 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 this guy wasn't guilty. I mean, this was, this was clearly the... Co- and I want to make sure we understand the, the whole compass here. Not only was the wrong person... It, it clearly appears that the wrong person was put into jail. But the person that actually committed the crime was never captured because the police were just looking for someone to insert as the, the, the criminal here. And that's a failure. That is, I mean, if I'm the family members of this guy, I'm livid. I'm livid because, you know what, that's, how, is, how is that any kind of justice for, for you know, me and my family? Absolutely, I can get that. Faulty identification evidence, including the use of an out-of-date mug shop and lineup errors, were used to wrongfully convict the then 17-year-old according to a, the stipulation between the defense and prosecuting uh, attorney's office. Haynes was released from the Stillwater Prison on Monday morning. His lawyers and sister, including his primary advocate, Ma- Marvina Haynes, picked him up. It feels incredible, we believe, fully in his innocence. It's been a long time coming for him and his family, said Haynes. Lawyer Andrew Marquart of uh, the Great North Innocence Project, we're just thrilled and happy to be able to play a part in his story. In 2004, a rubber shot, uh, 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 excuse me, a robber shot, there you go, Uh, A robber shot and killed Shearer in the family's flower shop on North 33rd at Lindale Avenues in North Minneapolis. Police found no physical evidence to identify the killer. None. Shearer's sister, Cynthia uh, Cynthia McDermid, was the only eyewitness. She described her brother's killer as a thin black male who was nearly six feet tall, 180 pounds, with a close-cropped hair. Haynes, then 16, was arrested for missing court on a curfew violation. He stood at five foot seven, a good five inches shorter than what the suspect was, was described as, weighed 130 pounds, a good 50 pounds less. I mean, he's thin. He's not 180 and 130 are two wildly different weights. No. He was listed at 130 pounds at the time, not 180. And he, at the time he was arrested, sported a long afro, okay? But instead of showing McDermott an up-to-date booking photo of Haynes, investigators used a two-year-old mugshot of him with short, close-cropped hair matching the witness's description. She eventually picked Haynes. So once again, she says the criminal has short hair. They arrest this guy. They see he has long hair. So as opposed to the, the, the fix was it. It clearly wasn't this guy. I mean, the the other evidence, too. I mean, he was five inches shorter than what she said, and he was 50 pounds lighter. So it's not like there was one thing. It's not just the hair. But the hair was a pretty big problem for them because they couldn't convict this guy of the crime if he basically had long hair. How did his court-appointed lawyer not pick that one apart? I don't know. Haynes, then 16, was arrested for uh, mis—excuse me— Uh, Basically, she was shown the booking photo of Haynes. Investigators used a two-year-old mugshot of him with short, close-cropped hair matching the witness's description. She eventually picked Haynes as the the, the criminal, the robber. Haynes appeared in court last month for a two-day evidentiary hearing in the case. His lawyers argued that the mugshot and other problems with the investigation on trial were unnecessarily suggestive, departing from best practices and warranted overturning the conviction, the Hennepin County Office argued. In a Monday morning message to staff, County Attorney Mary Moriarty called Haynes' exoneration an important day for justice. Sometimes doing the right things means we must seek to undo the harms of the past, not defend them, Moriarty said. And that is what we have tried to do in this case. It's not easy to admit and correct our wrongs, but it is necessary. During a press conference at the Hennepin County Government Center on Monday afternoon, Moriarty emphasized that one of the lead police investigators on the Haynes case, Michael Keefe, testified in support of Haynes' exoneration and that eyewitnesses, eyewitness McDermott did nothing wrong, having tried in good faith to identify her brother's killer. She placed the blame for Haynes' wrongfully conviction squared with former prosecutors of the Hennepin County Attorney's Office, including retired county attorney Mike Fernstahl. Fernstahl also prosecuted Myron Bur- Burrell, a temp- uh, contemporary of Haynes, whose murder conviction was also overturned in 2020. The order signed. Why is the- Fernstall not in jail? Can I ask you this question? How come Fernstall is not in jail? Because I'm going to get back to this. First of all, uh, an order signed by Koch uh, dismissed all charges of the interest of the justice in lieu of any physical evidence linking Hayes to the crime, the absent introduction of an unconstitutional eyewitness identification evidence, it is doubtful there would have been sufficient evidence to sustain a conviction according to the order. I'm so excited. My family has been sitting here since I've seen a lot of them. Haynes said So the news conference. I still haven't seen my mom in three or four years because she has health problems. So it's been be del- difficult to deal with when I leave here, the first place I'm going. All my best to you, sir. You should never have gone to jail. So let's a- start asking the numerous questions. How did Fernstahl look at this evidence? ...and say we've got the right guy. It is deeply important we understand... ...that Fernstahl setting this guy up falsely for this crime... ...allowed the actual criminal to get away. There's someone who murdered somebody... ...who got away because the prosecutor was far more concerned... ...about making an arrest... Than making sure they arrested the right person, and let's not skip past the fact: black eye, black eye, good enough. That seems to be the policy here. Because once again, her own description: six foot tall, one eighty, with a, uh, a a short cropped haircut. They pick the guy up. He's five foot seven, one hundred and thirty, and he has a large afro. You clearly have the wrong guy. Yet it did not stop him, and this man lost 20 years of his life, 20 years of his life, because of lazy, crap prosecution. Not interested in actually finding out who committed the crime, but actually just good enough, it's a black guy, throw him in jail. And I don't want to hear first of all, first of all, shut up, sir, shut up. It's clear you what you did here. It's clear to all of us what you did here. Don't try to understand, well, there was difference. There was no physical evidence in the case. The entire thing came down to the eyewitness identification, and you fixed that to make sure the guy you arrested was the guy that she basically said did it. Unbelievable. And this is a guy who did it. How many times do you think this guy did this? Said, black guy, find me a black guy. That's the person that was there. We'll arrest them and we'll we'll make that individual fit the case. Because I guarantee you, this guy's already 0 for 2 on this. I'm going to guess there's a few other cases that this guy... I think if you are in the Hennepin County Attorney's Office, right now you're reviewing every Fernstall case. And if there... You know, This isn't like you had to go find a document in a cave on a cliff. This is like, wait a second here. What's the description of the guy again? Oh, this guy wasn't even close. Still, it took 20 years. And I guarantee you, Fernstahl and the people that were involved in this sat there and said, good, good arrest. Good job. Why is Fernstahl not going to jail? More on this when I come back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Broadcorp when we also get to the bottom of the hour to talk about the Vikings game. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. So, yeah, okay, so we have to ask about the, the prosecuting office. And, and by the way, in, you know, Mary Moriarty, once again, this is the kind of stuff that I wanted you to come in there and fix. I didn't want you to just all of a sudden start, you know, giving people who are accused of murdering other people, you know, DoorDash and, and, and Netflix uh, while they're on home arrest. I, I don't think that that's good. But this is – when 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 I thought about I want someone in there that's going to shake things up, it's this it's the clear miscarriages of justice that have happened here, because once again, because these prosecutors did not care about who actually committed the crime, but actually just wanted to, you know, just prosecute a black guy to to to, to put a, uh, an X in a box. They basically ruined this man's life for twenty years, his family's life. His his mother is in needs. Is in medical care for goodness' sakes. How much stress and strain have they added to this one family for lying? Where was the the defense attorney in this? Because okay, I get it. Defense attorneys in the in the public in public defenders, you are overworked. You're it's overwhelmed. But this screams at me of you didn't even look at this case. You know, (laughs) okay, (coughs) you're the defense attorney. You're the defense attorney. You look at the description of the the, the robber. All right, 180 pounds, six foot tall with short hair. And you walk in to see your client with a large afro, 130 pounds, and, you you know, so 50 pounds lighter and five inches shorter. And you immediately say, okay, wait a second here. Why is this man being held again? You didn't did you? You didn't look at the case, did you? I I think the only way we're going to ever ever get this stuff to stop is that if someone went and arrested Fernstahl and said, okay, it is time for you to go to court and explain to us how did you screw this case up so bad? How does how does the prosecutor look at this? And you know, especially after you you doctored the, the 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 identification process to make sure your guy was the or. And it, by the way, it sounds like even with the, the old outdated photo, which showed a matching haircut, it still was a bit of convincing to get the eyewitness to go along with with going after Hayes, Haynes rather. Excuse me, Haynes. So nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. One last thing here, and by the way, there is a fantastic story on the Minnesota Reformer. Uh, one th- last thing I, before we get to Michael Broadcorp, I should say, and talk uh, a little Vikings and a little GOP stuff. Uh, in case you missed it, um, the hunting season up in the Arrowhead region was was for white-tailed deer was dramatically down uh, compared to past years. Now, the DNR has been very quick to say the reason why that is, is basically the, the, the particularly up in Lake and Cook County, up in that area, the very northeastern part of the state, it's their harsher winters there have done some damage to the white-tailed deer. Now, have some wolves gotten some of the white-tailed deer? Absolutely, undeniably. But you generally do not see um, a, a diminishing of these kind of numbers without it being multiple things. And in this case, the, the weather, the DNR has done the research and said it was the case. The hunters have all insisted. All the wolves have eaten all the deer. Um, it, fa- it sounds like actually more. What we found out is they just kind of suck at hunting <laughs> because. the Minnesota reformer put out a story, and I've already linked to it on some of the social media pages. It lists the 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 extent of the de- the the wolf uh, range in the state. And clearly there are places where there are a lot of wolves and there was tons of deer that they caught. And so the question here is, is it the deer or is it the hunter? I think it was the hunter to a point. And maybe you didn't get the the forecast that the regions, especially in the northeastern part of the state, were going to be light on whitetail deer. But it's still it, – you, you should have, you, you should be able to look at this thing and say, oh, okay, because once again, there are plenty of permit areas in the state where there are plenty of deer, twenty plenty of deer. I mean, uh, uh, there's at least – it looks to be like 20 in wolf territory where the number of harvested deer was 1,919 to 5,890. So that means some people had a good hunt. So, um, yeah, but at the same time, they, they, they want to dis- absolutely insist it's not that they're bad hunters, it's, it's, that, it's that the wolves eat all the deer. Uh, I actually had a, two people point out historically, white tailed deer really didn't exist in northern Minnesota. My dad says that. That was when my dad was younger, they had elk and they had moose, and then they'd cut down all the trees and it changed. The moose kind of disappeared and it became much more deer at that point. So it's not traditionally in a historic deer area in the first place. Put on top of that, multiple years of really harsh winters in that very northeastern part of the state and you have a recipe for most of your deer disappearing. But don't don't try to blame the wolves when, you know, you can just go looks a little bit you go a little west of the northeastern part of the state just a little west not even halfway through the state and you come across a a permit area where there was fantastic deer hunting up by the northwest angle up on the northern border there by lake of the woods sounds like it sounds like there was fantastic deer hunting up there just south of duluth it sounds like there was some fantastic deer hunting that was going on down there all all of those areas wolf territory and the wolves didn't do the job you guys just don't like wolves And you're looking for a reason to justify shooting wolves because you think, I guess, that makes you a man or something like that? I don't know. I I think it kind of makes you sad, frankly. The reality is is this. Stop trying to blame wolves for the fact that you're just maybe – you're just not that good at hunting, and or maybe you should maybe you should understand that if there's going to be a light forecast for deer population in your area, that when you go up there in the deer stand and you sit there for a few hours and you realize oh there's no deer around here, that maybe just maybe eh, that was not on anyone else but yourself and the bad choice there because I can you go to you go to go to the Minnesota Reformer, you can see all the deer harvest permit areas that they had a lot of success and a lot of them are pretty close to you. I mean maybe 45 minutes an hour away, but still. They didn't have any problem, and they had Wolves. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Oh, boy, it was a 3-0 thriller. We actually have a lot to talk about with this game because a lot of things happened here. We'll get to that in a second. Michael Broadcorp joins us uh, to recap the Vikings fun as well as also talk some Republican politics as well. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.
1: Now, Brady.
0: 50, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil show. Well, after such a stellar game yesterday, couldn't wait to bring in Michael Broadcorp to talk about the Viking stuff, as well as one or two other political things as well. Michael, how did you like your 3 0 experience?
2: <laughs> uh, it was, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's a win. It's a W. I don't feel good about it. I'm not proud of it. Um, it was a, it was a, very difficult game to watch. Very difficult game to watch. So I, I guess, look, you know, Matt, as Vikings, as your Viking analyst, and I think you're this way too. We have to be glass half full. We got to win. We got to yes. win. We got to win. We advanced down the down the line. That being said, it was one of the worst games <laughs> I've ever seen. And I have to also say to you, uh, my friend, is that you know, I was at a game earlier this year. I was at the Bears game. When the Vikings uh, when the Vikings lost to the Bears on Monday Night Football, that was one of the worst games I've uh, ever been at. There's just the last few Vikings games have not been pretty. Um, one loss, one win, but boy, last yes, yesterday's game was something for the history books and um, something for the history books. Did you yet?
0: Were you looking at the crowd and saying, you know, you're in the fourth quarter watching that game, and you're saying, you guys paid to be at this?
2: Yes. <laughs> Now I've said I've said to you before that part of the reason I don't go out of state to Vikings games is that I would probably get in jail yeah. because I have a big mouth and I and I and I just not because I would engage in any type of unsportsmanlike behavior but I just got a big mouth and I wouldn't I wouldn't I would like to cheer for the Vikings very aggressively that being said had I paid to go to Vegas I would be furious that game I mean Boy, what a, I mean on paper sounds like a great idea. Why to Vegas? Go to the Vikings game. I got to tell you, that was a snooze fest. Oh,
0: it was a rough game. We I do like talking positives. Hands down, the Vikings might have the best defense in the NFL because you are and, correct, sir. And granted, uh, the the Raiders were playing with the quarterback who looked like the the guy whose head exploded in the movie Scanners. I'm not sure who that guy was. <laughs> <laughs> but, but still, I mean, they just beat up the Raiders and they did that. I mean, it, at no point did I ever get the impression the Raiders are going to come back in this game because even when it, they're just, it was waiting for the time for the Vikings to either get a touchdown or a field goal because the Raiders just were so manhandled by the Vikings defense.
2: You're absolutely correct. It was very much like the, the Bears game where, um, you know, there was a possibility that the Bears come back. I, I wasn't as confident as you were that the Raiders weren't going to come back, um, but it had the a very similar feel—just a uh, an offense-driven game. Um, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a defense-driven game. Not a lot of offense. Not a good quality uh, game, and you know, it was tough. I mean, Vikings got to figure out what they're going to do on an offense, but defensively, boy, I got to tell you something. Brian Flores is is uh, I hope we keep him around because yeah. from a number standpoint he's doing just phenomenal work and the other thing that I just want to keep going back to you is is I think it was very insightful what you said you were the first person to discuss when we started doing these about the preseason game and if you look at the, once again every week the vikings their defense is doing better and they're they're stronger and it, it goes to your argument that had the that when these preseason games they're just not working on a number of these kinks and there's still cobwebs when we get to the the open the first weekend of the NFL season. And they started a little rusty. Uh, but boy, oh boy, I got to tell you, defense has come along very nicely.
0: They have. And I, we, we have to take some time, though, to, to break down Dobbs getting benched. Uh, he looked horrible. Uh, Mullins coming in, he didn't look phenomenal, but he looked competent enough to get the ball down the field, which he did with the weapons that he did have. There was, I, I think TV color commentators in NFL games are about as useful as an appendix. But the, when one of the guys on the color guys made the comment, and I thought this was just spot on. It was when Mullins, I think he threw downfield to Hawkinson, and he said, he goes at he they were doing the replay on the play and the color guy said that's the moment Dobbs would have run from there because Dobbs was so terrified of the pocket collapsing all the time that he just didn't wait for his receivers to get open and so everything became a scramble and as a friend of mine made the comment today uh, he basically said he was so terrified of getting picked off in that game that it led him to really makes a lot of bad throws i mean it he just th- these teams figured him out. This is the reason why he isn't a starter. He has he has some pretty big faults which became very apparent in the game yesterday.
2: Correct. And, and again it's something that you brought up that something that I we we've, we've discussed before that particularly with with Josh Abs, is that the more he learns the playbook, the more he learns about the Vikings offense, the le- the worse he performs. Mm-hmm. It seems that more information that he's learning about the Viking system He's not progressing he's not advancing if anything his play has gone backwards and I think we talked about this we talked about this last the last time I was on after the before the bye week which is that I think we're getting an understanding and appreciation as to why he's moved through teams like he has uh, there were a couple games there a few games where we thought we had struck gold and the truth of the matter is I think that we now understand that a lot of those other GMs may have may have seen him, as he at, at the capabilities at which he can play, and yeah. I think it was good to get Nick Mullins in. I think that there's a be interesting to see what happens. I don't know who starts next week. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting play. The one thing you know we need to talk about. I mean, is, is Justin Jefferson, yeah, um, and him getting you know getting hurt like he did. Uh, Kevin O'Connell said it looks like we've avoided any anything any significant thing there. But again. I go to that type of throw, that type of throw that that Dobbs made to him. Um, does cousins make that type of throw? I don't know, uh, but it was I think it was a dangerous throw. Um, we're very, very lucky that Justin Jefferson is not hurt more or not more seriously hurt. Mm-hmm. but boy, I, these quarterbacks that we have right now are just not getting us to the position where we need to be, and we can't expect to win games on defense alone.
0: Um, Dobbs for me, it was that last throw. It was a, it was a lateral pass. It was what, third and 10 or something like that. And so once again, you're doing a lateral pass and hoping the Vegas defense doesn't, you know, allows the, the receiver to go 10 yards, which is not a really good solid play. But it, the receiver never even got the ball. Dobbs threw that ball 10 feet over his head, just to the side. And I said, this guy is unraveling. It does not surprise me that that, after that was the end of him. I just don't see how you can put Dobbs back into this game. I think Mullins, once again, not spectacular, not great, but at least he knew how to stay in the pocket and he knew to wait for his weapons to get open and was throwing the ball 10, 12, 15, 20 yards downfield, which is, you know, that's how this team is designed to move down the field, not just, you know, six-yard plays here and there. you got to get it downfield to open up the defense that you're playing against. And Mullins... Although not spectacular, he, he he was just adequate enough to us to get the one field goal.
2: I think that's a good way of referring it adequate enough to get us that one field goal, which we needed. Yeah. Um, again, we're you know, there's a lot of discussions I think people have had over the years about you know, offense wins game or defense wins game. I think it's you got to have a good combination of both. Right now, the Vikings have a solid uh, solid defense, but they have no offense. Um, and what's also so surprising. As we talk about the NFC North, is where the Vikings are in the standings right now. Mm-hmm. There is an absolute. If the Vikings play their remaining schedule, the Vikings could still win the division. Yes, they could. The Vikings could still win the division. They, I mean, they have they have the they have the Bengals, they have the Lions, the Packers, and then the Lions again. So they have three division games left. They are one game ahead of the Packers. They are two games behind the Lions. If the Vikings win their schedule outright, Lions lose theirs. Vikings win the division. Yeah. There's also a scenario by which, if the if the Packers win out their schedule and the Vikings lose theirs, Packers could win the division. Packers could. If the, yeah, no. The Packers need the Packers need the, the, some help from the Lions but the Vikings are in a position where they could still win the division. Yeah. And the problem that I think we all have to just be honest about is if the Vic- if this Vikings team makes the division, we might feel good about it. <laughs> we might be excited about being in the playoffs, but is it best for the long-term growth of the franchise?
0: Wow, That's a good question. I would say this. If you were to say at the beginning of the season, we're going to lose Kirk Cousins for the re- year, you know, for two-thirds of the year, we're going to lose Justin Jefferson for half the season, and you say to yourself, we have a chance... With four games to go to win the division, you would think it was one of the greatest, you know, coaching, you know, management, you know, spectacles of all time. The reality is, though, yeah. you are right. And, you know, we are kind of, I mean, if I'm Kirk Cousins right now, I'm feeling pretty good that the Vikings are going to. I, Kirk Cousins is not going to make as much money as he was pre-injury. in injury. But you've got to feel yeah. pretty good that the Vikings are probably going to be the one that they're going to keep him probably in-house and at least give him a two, maybe a three-year deal. And I think they'll pay him better than anyone else. Well, I think if you're Kirk Cousins, you're feeling pretty good about coming back to the to Vikes at this point.
2: You know, absolutely, and that's one of the scenarios that we've discussed was was that what happens with Kirk Cousins? Does he does he get an opportunity to come back? And if he gets an opportunity to come back or play again, I should say, is it in Minnesota or is it another team? And you had articulated that you thought the best case scenario was that he comes back to Minnesota. In some form, I think this season is playing out that way. Yep. Cousins is, is 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 committed to being part of the community. He's talked about being a part of this team, and I think both quarterbacks that have gone in his play, or actually three quarterbacks that that have played in his replacement, which we've had three different quarterbacks play. None of them has really cemented that role, and they're all, I think, clearly in they're not they're not full term starting quarterbacks. And so I think Cousins has that opportunity to come back if he recovers and if he and, and everything goes well post recovery from his injury. Um, but there's a lot to like. Again, as you as you articulated better than I did, you had said at the beginning of this season you're going to lose Cousins, you're going to lose Jefferson, um, you're going and you're going to have these type of difficulties, and we're still going to be in the possibility where we're going to win the division. We would be very excited right now.
1: Yes, we would. Three
0: zero, man. Three zero. Okay, two more questions. I'm Michael Brodco joining us, talking Vikings football. Two more questions about you. First of all, CJ Ham. It was his first carry yesterday. Why was, why, why is CJ CJ Ham last year was he, he scored multiple times? He was a he was a good back, good fullback in specific situations. Why was CJ Ham not being played more before yesterday? Do you know?
2: I just, I don't understand. I think that the, the the Vikings have just, this has really been, I think, the true definition of a rebuilding year. I think there were, you know, there's some, you know, a couple of people I, I'd like to get advice from on Viking stuff. And, and a couple of these people I think are pretty smart. It said, look, this is going to be a mediocre team. They're not going to go out and say it fully, but this is, this has the real potential, the real look to be a rebuilding year. When we lost Thielen, we lost, you know, Dalvin Cook. Um, that was kind of the play coming in, and I understand the rebuilding perspective now. And it, the defense has been fully rebuilt. We got a great defense, and there's a lot of assets that we need to have. But I got to tell you, on an on offensive side, uh, Vikings just have to continue to do more. And there's just not there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of life there right now. Here's the thing we have going for us: is that there's still an opportunity to win in the division. No one is playing great ball right now. No. In the division, and even you know, I mean, look at look at look at the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs. They're not they're not lighting things up right Philadelphia now. Philadelphia
0: getting beaten down by Dallas. I, I don't think Green Bay is going to do too well in New York tonight. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I don't think that's going to be well, a wait. But
2: here's the well, yeah. Here's the thing that's what frustrates me about Green Bay. I was in prep for the show today for this opportunity. I was looking at the stats as the, the, who are who have kind of better ranking chances right now, And for some reason they're giving Green Bay and a better chance of making the playoffs than the Vikings right now. I don't understand it, but we'll see. I do worry about getting so close to Green Bay.
0: Wow. Uh, one final question that doesn't necessarily have to do with the Vikings. Am I crazy, or is the Las Vegas turf clearly too dangerous to be playing games on? Because that game, that, that it seems like the turf itself took out, what, 12 players yesterday for both the Raiders and the Vikings? And we've seen this before. With fields that have bad turf, it just seems to me that the NFL needs to look at that stadium.
2: Yes, I think yes, and I want to point something out to you is that that's been discussed related to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that's been discussed related to what happened with with Cousins. There has been a lot of discussion this season about field turf uh, and having a more uniform standard in the NFL and some level of consistency. There has been there have been players that have gone on and complained about the field conditions. It's unhealthy. There's problems, and I guess to say, there's been a couple kind of you know, lack of a better face, kind of freak accidents or things that you wouldn't expect that have happened. And I think turf management, uh, which usually applies when people hear the word turf management, they usually think you mean golf. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be some type of discussion about field management and turf management and the and the environment by which these players are running on last night because. Um, that was not a good – that was not a good field yesterday, not a good field. And when it's Las Vegas, there should be better.
0: We'd uh, be remiss if I didn't bring up politics with you. This was last weekend, a GOP meeting. Um, Han survived. I mean there there was – it was some bickering, some squabbling from the far-right MAGA side of the party that he wanted to be replaced. I've said that there's no way in the planet the Republicans are going to win back the House – uh, and they're going to have a chance of winning back the house unless Han is there. It also piggybacks on the story Dina Winter had in the minister reformer about the current situation, which I believe you were quoted in uh, uh, in that story as well. You know, the reality is, is that, you know, it, he's dealing with a lot of consequences. He's still trying to manage that party. And I, to a point, if you're a GOPer, you better be happy because uh, Han was is clearly the best chance you have at pulling the Republican party into more of a winning strategy.
2: Here's what I have consistent. Yes, and I want to be consistent. with What I said, David Hahn is a steady hand right now. The all there is no alternative in the party right now. And th- this is a very volatile time right now. We have the former president of the United States, the clear front runner to win the Republican nomination And there needs to be some stability at the party right now. The aftermath of Jennifer Carnahan was disastrous. And Han has always, in my opinion, been playing catch up based on the environment that he has been placed in. And the activists, I think, in many ways, are not holding him to a fair standard. This was an internal dust up between uh, a small group of activists inside the party. I I was not there. I I was out of state. But I did find it incredibly interesting and quite aggressive for Chairman Hann to go out there and offer the resolution himself to say, look, you guys want me out of here? Then let's do an up and down vote. I believe that my record I believe that I'm the right person to lead. I'm the right person to put this party in the right position. And he won the he won the vote. Yeah. And that's a good that was a good move for him. And what and, and my message has been consistent since that meeting was over, which is that this type of stuff needs to stop. Republicans have to start working together. There will be a chair election next year, but every Republican has to be organized and focused on putting this party in the best position to lead. And here's the truth, Matt. It happens on both sides of the aisle, but there are some activists inside the party right now who are more interested in picking fights with the Republican Party than they are in focusing on defeating Democrats. Yep. And if we're from just from a party process standpoint, Democrats need Democrats focused on beating Republicans, and Republicans need Republicans focused on beating the Democrats. And right now there's division, and that needs to stop.
0: And it, you, and the reality is, is that it's not helping anyone, this push to the right. As a matter of fact, it does not so a lot of people look at Michigan, what's going on over in Michigan right now? with that, yes. the, And you say to yourself, okay, that's how you destroy a political party. And they're in a mess in Michigan with the, the far right taking over that party and the leadership. You know that that's not going to. You know you're not going to ever become a, get a a winning strategy to come back from being down when you have basically people who are more concerned about their Twitter Twitter trolls liking what they're saying as opposed to what's actually going to win.
2: Oh, Matt, you're actually spot to tie the two subjects together. Michigan's football is terrible right now with the Detroit Lions. They're creating problems for us. We need that to stop. And the Republican Party of Michigan needs to clean up their act. So they need help in a, in a variety of ways.
0: Well done. Well done. I'm going to get a round of applause for uh, Michael to be able to pull those two together. A little football, a little politics. Uh, Next week, I'm a little concerned about this Bengals game. We will talk after the Bengals game next week. Uh, Michael, abs- you're concerned. I'm, I'm a little. I'm a little. After I watched yeah. the, the game, it's it's not. Their Bengals are not as wounded as I thought they were. So we'll we'll have to talk about yeah, I'm that. I'm
2: concerned too, my friend. All right, we'll talk soon.
0: We will talk next week. Michael Broadcorp joining us, talking Vikings, talking politics. We'll take a break. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. As a matter of fact, I can tell you right now, I mean, I know some people out there is like, Matt, do We really want to talk sports? I don't mind talking about it because it's, it is kind of a nice break. And frankly, I think Michael Brock and I are like the most honest breakdown of sports you're going to find. I'm dead serious. I think we, I'm not saying we're necessarily always right, but I think we're actually more, we're more right than wrong. And I think that it's, 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 you know, we're not, Concerned about bobbleheads and and you know and and getting into luxury suites, right? We, so I, I think that is pretty good. That being said, I've actually had a lot of people say we we need to do other sports too, and I've had volunteers. So I don't know, maybe we will. I'll have to see. Uh, Want to actually encourage everyone uh, to go over to am nine fifty radiocom The calendars are back, as you're hearing in the ads we're talking about here on the station. I went around. You know, this was a this was such an important thing for me to get out and start taking pictures again as soon as I could after the car accident last year. And it became therapeutic. I was out there. I was able to go out and get a lot of great photos. Uh, I've got them from all across the state, from up in uh, the Boundary Waters, uh, at Shave Lake. I took a picture up there. I was in LeSueur. I got a great picture in the city of LeSueur. I was out, you know, just out to the west uh, at uh, Fort Ridgely State Park. Took a picture out there. I got a lot in the metro area. Uh, and, and they're all fantastic, and they're all part of the calendar. Now, once again, we've got a lot of thank yous. If you if you sponsor AM 950 Radio, that's how you get the con- the, the calendar as a thank you. Uh, we have the tote bag as well at a, as a one level. And then I want to encourage you, uh, if you go to AM 950 Radio and click on the calendar section there and find out how you can sponsor the station and get the calendar as a thank you, we do have a thank you of a, a meet-and-greet. We're going to do a winter meet-and-greet with me coming up here not that far down the road so you know get in on that take advantage of that and help support progressive radio because quite literally there is very little in the way of progressive radio left in this country we have one station here in minneapolis st paul got the station in chicago as well that we're working with but you need to support it because i'll tell you what it's yeah there it's it's yeah you support please go to am950radio.com native roots radio is up next we're back tomorrow till then see ya.